Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. So, pastor will be doing the last two sessions with us. So this is the this is the fourth week, and he's going to be coming back in. He's doing two, tonight he's teaching a session on health or healthy living. And so this is the last week, just me, so better things are to come. And tonight will probably be pretty short because I have a sick one at home, and I had to leave him, and I don't like leaving him when they're sick. And so I'm going to try to get home to him as soon as possible. He tested positive for the flu earlier this week, so it's been really sad. Well, welcome. Um, How many of you all, it's your first time in the love language class? Okay, good. Most of you have been here one of the other weeks, some of you. So what we've been doing, we've been talking about the five love languages, and or we're, that's what this series is on, and we opened it up. The first week was just an introduction about a little bit about each love language, and we talked just a little bit about each, and, and maybe you found out then what yours was, or maybe you're finding out as we go. The second week, Pastor was in here, and he did a test with everyone, or if you weren't here, told you last week you could get online and do the test and then last week we dove into the first two love languages we talked about words of affirmation and quality time and if those were one of your love languages raise your hand words of affirmation or quality time it's a lot of hands and so this week we're going to be talking about receiving gifts and acts of service if you think one of those are your love language receiving gifts or acts of service raise your hand to me. I'm acts of service all the way. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to talk about receiving gifts first. And, you know what? I need to grab my Bible. And what we've talked about, in case you haven't been here the last few weeks, we talked about learning love languages is just like learning another foreign language because. Whatever love language your spouse or loved one speaks might not be your fluent language. We've talked about that. And so we have to learn that language so that we can get better at it, at at knowing what they're saying and communicating with them. And so we've been discovering ways to talk in different languages, and we're going to do that tonight. Now, receiving gifts is kind of one of those love languages, even if it's not your primary love language. A lot of people like to receive gifts because... It's cool to receive gifts. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, let's see. Some of the visual symbols of love are more important to some people than others. Some people really need to see something visual like a gift. We believe gift giving is fundamental to love. Um, have you ever noticed even young children, from the time they're just two or three, they will try to give their mom a gift, whether they picked a weed or whatever, and they want to bring them a gift. It's it's sort of uh, innate. It's just in us. We want to give a gift. We want to make other people happy. For some, gift giving might not be quite as natural. Maybe they didn't receive gifts as children. Or um, if, if you recognize that gift giving isn't your natural. I love to give gifts even though that's not my love language to receive them. So sometimes you'll be a giver, but you're not necessarily, that's not necessarily your language. Well, if you recognize that it's not your love language, that's a great thing. Congratulations. You've discovered 
maybe if your spouse does have that love language, that you have different languages. And so that's, that's another step that we've come to. Now you've got to learn the new language. Gift giving is considered the easiest love language to learn because it's not, it doesn't have to be said with certain words. You don't have to make a lot of time to do it. And um, it doesn't have to make you uncomfortable with any kind of touch. It's just buy them a gift. It's, it's really considered the easiest love language. <clears throat> but there are certain ways to do it the right way. Um, you want to you wanna, um, make sure that um, you make a list of gifts your spouse maybe has expressed. Um, ha- all of our spouses at one time have expressed something they like to have, maybe a red tie or a new garbage disposal, um, something that you need, maybe over, you've mentioned it or you've hinted, and we are good a lot of times at hinting, and we assume because we've been married for 10, 20 years, that when you keep saying, man, it would be, wouldn't it be so cool to have a dishwasher, you know, we, we wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to spend so much time washing dishes, and, um, you know, a couple nights later, I've washed dishes so many times today, a couple days later. Man, my friend Mary has this dishwasher. She said she could do all, you know, those are hints, right? We're hinting, but some people, it doesn't matter how much you hint. Um, you've got to put it, you've got to say it very directly. Um, men and women both, sometimes they just don't take hints well. We don't take hints well, so just be direct. A lot of, you know, I've heard people say, you know, my husband might say, we've got four dishwashers. We've got four kids. <laughs> what do you need a dishwasher for? <laughs> and, um, and as Sawyer says, he doesn't like to do the dishes. So he, he told Jillian, she said, I don't like washing dishes. That's been my chore for so long now. And he's discovered, he said, all you got to do is do bad at it. And then mom will ask you to do it again. And so <laughs> if he, that's how he, figures out how to get out of chores, just don't do a good job at it. <laughs> but if you have, I would like, um, do any of you all need paper? Is Sister Shelley here? Do you have paper or no? We can get paper if you need paper. Does anyone need paper to take notes on maybe? You're good. You got your phones. You can write on something. I wanted you to make a list of gifts your spouse has expressed excitement about receiving through the years. Whatever it is, um, just make a list. I want you to take a couple, just a minute or two, and make a list of some things you think your spouse has expressed that they would like to have. Some of y'all knew right away, and some of you aren't sure. You can ask them if you're not sure. But maybe a list um, of things you think they've expressed excitement about receiving that they might not have. Maybe it's a new pair of work boots or something. So once you've made that list, I want to talk to you about your list. You, you don't need to wait for an occasion, a special occasion, um, to give your spouse a gift. If their love language or gifts, um, they'll love anything, whether it's free, you spent money on it, it's homemade, it, no 
no matter what the gift is, if that's their love language, they'll need to receive gifts than more on their birthday and Valentine's Day and your anniversary. They're going to need to receive gifts every week. So you think, I don't have money for a gift every week. It doesn't have to be expensive. You can do free gifts. You can some some ideas of free gifts. I wrote down wildflowers. You know, if it's the right time of year, you can go pick some flowers. You could make them a homemade card with some. You could do a poem or write them a note, something from your heart. Those are free gifts. If you need an inexpensive gift just to show that you care, you could stop by Walmart and buy milk chocolate caramel gear deli bar. You could, uh, whatever their favorite candy bar is or candy, you could get them maybe a $5 coffee gift certificate to Starbucks or wherever they like at Tim Hortons. You could get them a baked good. Just something little. It can be very inexpensive because the idea is not about spending money or a certain amount of money. It's about letting them know you care to speak their love language so you're getting them a gift. And there's another gift I want to talk about, the gift of presents with your spouse. It's very, very important. It's always important, but it's especially important during difficult times. The book references a man. If you have the little book, there's a story in there, and it references a man. The woman's very unhappy. Her husband goes to play softball the day the baby is born. He stays for the birth of the baby, but then as soon as he knows the baby's okay, he leaves. I saw Brother Hugo walk in, which congratulations on your beautiful new baby. But I'm thinking Sister Alicia might not have been overly joyful if after Adeline was born, you um, went to go fishing (laughs) with your friends or you went out and said, I'm glad she's good, you're good. I've been here for hours, so I'm going to go have some me time. Not a good idea. Um, And so, and then then the wife in the story also mentions that it happened again. It wasn't just a one-time thing. When her mother had passed away, um, he left after the funeral or whatever. He got through those things, and then he left to go play softball. That So in her mind, softball is more important to her. But his side of the story was, well, ever since my mother-in-law got sick, I was there day and night. I was working, doing everything they needed. I didn't leave their side. I was there with her all the way up through, and I figured once she'd passed, there wasn't much more I could do at that point. So I'd done all this stuff, and then I just got away. And so... She may be, I'm just trying to help all the men and women out. Um, It's still on important days. Your presence is very powerful during difficult times. Also, if you have a spouse um, present with you for something, you need to speak that. Like if if you want them to be at something, maybe it is a company dinner or it's your class reunion or something like that. If you want your spouse, you can't just hint to them to let them know you'd like them to be there for that. I wanted to read uh, a different, ver- a revised version. Proverbs twenty five fourteen says, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give. And also, um, 2 Corinthians 8, 12. If the willingness is there, The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So it's saying it doesn't matter. Again, it's talking about it doesn't matter the price or the cost. It's just talking about according to what you have. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. 
another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's a revised version of Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. I thought those verses were, were really good. If your spouse's primary love language is receiving gifts, then purchasing gifts for him is the best investment you can make. If that's their primary love language, then that's you've got to speak that. All right, so here's an assignment for you. I want you to uh, complete this statement. I'm going to give a statement. I would really like you to be with me at, and this is something you need to tell your spouse. This is an event or something you want him to be present with you at. Maybe this is for a church service. Maybe your spouse doesn't come to church. Maybe I would really like you to be be with me at the revival we're going to have. I would really like you to be with me at my boss's retirement party. I would really like you to be with me at my class reunion. So this is something you all are supposed to be writing down now. Go ahead and something you would really like your spouse to be with you at. Because you might think, oh, they don't care about me being at that with them. They don't care. And maybe they do. I've heard several spouses come in for some guidance and different things and one of the spouses will say I just assumed they were ashamed of me or they didn't want me around because they never asked me to go with them to their work events and the other spouse said I never I, I didn't think you'd want to go I thought it would be insulting and a waste of your time so their communication wasn't good about what their expectations were another sentence you can finish is I intend to be with you at something that you intend to go so you said what you'd like him to be with you at, and now something you want to go with him or her to. Almost everything ever written on the subject of love indicates that it that at the heart of love is the spirit of giving. And that's so true. I'm going to read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love toward us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So here is uh, another, I'm going to give you more assignments. You guys have homework this week. You have homework. Um, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your bosom. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And, and that passage is so simple, we've heard it a lot. But really, if you give love, you're going to receive love. If you measure out love sparingly, how do you think you're going to receive love? Sparingly, If you give love extravagantly, then you'll be loved extravagantly. So here's your assignment, your homework on the gift-giving love language part. You need to um, rewrite scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, okay? I want you to write that down, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. And I want you to rewrite that into a prayer. Asking God to help you to learn to speak love to your spouse through giving. So we've talked about giving gifts. You can give a lot of things to your spouse. 
You can give them love through uh, many ways. But I want you to rewrite 2 Corinthians 8, 7 into a prayer, asking God to help you learn to speak love to your spouse through giving. If you speak the love language as gifts and you speak it well, but you would like for your spouse to demonstrate his or her love for you through gifts, maybe you feel like you're great at this love language, but they're not, then you could pray this scripture in regard to your spouse in hopes that it will change for them. Also, um, here's another assignment. This is a fun assignment. I wrote down, give gifts to your spouse three times this week. And one gift must not require any money. So yeah, that's, unless you go pick a dead weed, you're going to have to write a nice note because it's not flower time. So one has to be something that doesn't cost you any money. And I want you to give three gifts this week. Again, we went over some cheap and expensive gifts because it's not about that. It's just showing that you care and just being thoughtful. All right. We're going to talk about acts of service. I told you it's not going to be too long tonight because I need to get back home to my sick one. But acts of service. This one's easy for me to talk about because, as I told you, it's my love language. And it's a lot. It's a lot of people's love language. But, again, each of us have a little bit of all of them. But then there's one that we're the strongest in. And so this one will be mine. Um, everyone should be fluent in this language, not just because it's mine. <laughs> but because this is a very common, this is something, whether or not it's your love language, it's something you have to know how to speak because this is how we function in life is getting our stuff done, getting the bills paid, getting the house taken care of the kids. So we have to be able to speak this language regardless if we're good at it. We really have to be able to do this one. And even my mom and yours probably taught you actions speak louder than words, right? So that's why this is the best love language. It's true. Actions speak louder than words. Um, no one likes to be forced to do anything, though. And in fact, love is always freely given. You can't, you can't be demanded to love someone. And so you cannot force your spouse into an act of service for you. You can try to guilt them in it, but that's not going to be the result you want. Um, give your spouse a list about what would be a meaningful act of service to you. So that's another assignment. All kinds of assignments this week. You want to give your spouse a list of things that would be meaningful to you, an act of service. Like, I expected when we got married that my husband would just take care of my car because my dad did that. And we didn't really talk about it. It was just understood by me. <laughs> it wasn't understood by him because my dad, you know, washed my car. Like, you weren't – I hope he's not watching live stream. Um, <laughs> you weren't even allowed to really park your car in our driveway if it was dirty. So if it was dirty, you had to wash it. Like, he, <laughs> you had to wash it. It wasn't that bad, but he was really just trying to teach us to take care of it. You're not going to leave it like that. You, you, you take care of your car, and um, if the lawnmower or whatever gets all muddy when you're then you wipe it down, you clean it before you put it back. You want to find it nice when you go to use it. And, um, but my dad, he did teach us to do those things, but as we got older, that was sort of his thing. He took care of the yard and the cars, and that's mostly because we didn't do it well enough, um, I think. Because <laughs> I would volunteer. I always thought to mow the grass would be fun, but he didn't want, 
we didn't get the lines right. You know, my sister was better at it than me, but um, he would, that's, that was his thing. And he always took care of my mom's car. He made sure the oil was changed, it was maintenanced, the wipers were good, you know, all that stuff. And when we got married, um, he didn't understand that. <laughs> I found out uh, my dad was, you know, I, we, here we moved away. I was like an hour and a half away from home, but we were evangelizing. So my dad would call and be like, how many miles since your last oil change? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think it's on the windshield on that sticker. And has he not, have you, I guys haven't gotten, gotten that taken care of. And I'm like, it's, it's his job. And I'm like, are you getting my oil change? He's like, well, I got it changed in my car. Why am I getting it changed in your car? You know, like, cause his mom did her own and his dad, and they would go take it to have it done. Whereas my dad would normally just do it. And so it was different for us. Um, so you have to talk about the types of acts of services maybe you would expect. Um, they're not, every home is different. So there was definitely things their, his parents did that mine didn't and some that mine did that his didn't. And we automatically had this expectation and for acts of service that we just thought, well, that's what this person does. And we all helped. My dad helped a lot around the house, but my mom worked about 60 hours a week. She was a postmaster, and, and she could go postal on us <laughs> if, we, if we didn't have our work done. Um, and so because it was such a tight schedule, we lived 35 minutes from church, 40 minutes sometimes. And so we had, and we were there it seemed like every night we were, we were involved in everything. My parents said, this isn't a reason, you know, we live this far away, but we're going to be there. So we would, <laughs> we were driving. So when she would get home for work, a lot of times dinner had to be done because it's like we had to eat it quickly and get on the road to get to where we were going, which was normally something at church and then homework and all that. And so she didn't have time if we'd get home at nine or nine thirty to vacuum and all those things. Cause she, her schedule was odd, but she had to be at work at like five thirty in the morning. But then she'd have a two hours off in the middle of the day, and then she'd have to go back, and then she didn't get home till the evening. It was, it was an odd schedule, and so she's normally tired when she'd get home on that break and would lay down and rest. And there was we had to do a lot. But my dad, my dad worked hard too, but he would get home at like four, four thirty of the evening, so like an hour, hour and a half before my mom would. So he'd go right to work when he got home. He'd make sure everything was done. So going into marriage, as you could imagine. My mother-in-law was a stay-at-home mother, and she well, she worked some, too, throughout the different years because they planted different churches. So she had jobs at different times, and my father-in-law worked and was pastoring. And so anyway, she took care of pretty much everything at home because he was gone a lot. So when we got married, you know, I'm just thinking he's going to help out more, and he's thinking, well, my mom did everything. And his mom did do everything, but my mom didn't do everything, and that's the example I had seen. So I'm like, so we had to get that figured out. <laughs> and we did, and he's so great at helping. And and I understand more now, I probably didn't have a clue. I know I didn't have a clue what it was like to be. I thought, well, she stayed home. <laughs> I didn't have a clue, though, that being a pastor's wife wasn't like staying home. It was always doing something. So now I have more understanding of her and uh, that she was working too. I just didn't understand it at the time. And so you really want to, you want to make these lists and you want to make them clear. 
to your spouse about your expectations of them for the acts of service. I uh, I didn't iron when we got me. I hated to iron. I'll buy clothes according to whether or not they have to be ironed. I don't like, if there's like one chore I don't like to do, it's iron. So he doesn't mind ironing, so that's like something he'll do. And, and we trade off. We do things like you would think would be the guy's thing. I don't mind doing, and then he'll. So you can find your things that you like to help each other with, and it can be fun. You need to number those things of importance. Like some things are going to be more important to you, the acts of service, than other things. Um, if you're like Sister Wendy, I know sometimes is working late of the evening or something, and so maybe one of something that's important to her, maybe uh, making sure Parker's teeth got brushed and he's in the bed at a certain time, or maybe that's going to be something for her. Maybe it's I don't know. Your importance are going to be different according to what stage in life and who's working and when you're getting home. Everyone's are going to be different. But some things are definitely more important than others to you. You need to listen to your spouse's dialect. Because, again, you, you might both speak this language, act of service, but you might have different dialect. We talked about that. You can speak the same language and be saying virtually the same thing, but it sounds different and you get confused. And that way you'll know how to express love. You might be working tirelessly on chores. Like maybe men, maybe you're um, raking the leaves, cutting logs, um, doing stuff like that. And we talked about the love tank being full. And you might be doing chores for hours, doing those kind of things, and it didn't fill up the love tank at all because that's not what was high on her list. Um, right language, wrong dialect. See, so that he's speaking the right language by doing these things, but if it's not the things she wanted. Um, so the lists are very important. Uh, if he brought me home Chipotle and told me not to cook and I wouldn't have to clean the kitchen and he was going to help make sure the kids' work was done and they were in bed at a certain time and all that, that would make me happy. That would, My love tank would be full. <laughs> and so, but I want to, I wrote down on here, I wanted to put a warning to be careful because criticism and demands can drive a wedge between you and your spouse. And with enough criticism, you, um, you might get them to do what you want, but really he'll do what you want, but it won't be an act of love. And so people tend to criticize their spouses most loudly in the area they themselves have the deepest emotional need. So... If you're really on your spouse's case about something in particular, that's probably the area that you need the most attention with. And that's where your emotions need to be met more, maybe where you feel like you're criticizing the most. Uh, sometimes simple chores around the house is an undeniable expression of love. That's for almost anyone, whether or not it's your love language. It's It's... It's always, always a good thing just to help, help each other, be a team. Not, that's your job. I already did my job. This is my time. Um, you no, know, we need to help each other. Somebody, we talked about last week when I mentioned different ones that I thought their love language was certain things. And this week I was thinking about acts of service. And somebody, who, does anybody come to your mind? Think of Martha. <laughs> you know, Mary and Martha, the story. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. 
Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And uh, she comes to my mind when I, when I think of acts of service because typically we talked about this in the other sessions. Whatever you want, whatever act of service you want, that's the one you tend to give. And so I think Martha was definitely an acts of service, but we can get so busy like Martha that we can forget the good part like Mary had, right? So we have to find that that place in the middle of speaking our love language, them learning to speak our love language without us being all one-sided. I wrote down um, another scripture, Mark chapter 10, verse 43. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give in his life a ransom for many. We see here that Jesus performed acts of service. Also, um, the book of John, chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And so, um, also from that same chapter, uh, verse 12, So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. And so you can see clearly in Scripture, Jesus is teaching us by example with his acts of service. Not just, so we're learning about love language, but again, not just even for your spouse, but um, anybody in your life that is important to you. Um, we're called, Jesus calls us to serve each other. And so even if it's not your love language, if it's your spouse's love language, it's important to learn it. But it's also important to learn it with your for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, we're called to serve each other. And so this is a love language that um, I think the church is great at. I was just thinking some of the acts of service um, that some of the ones here do. Some of the men will mow grass for ladies or widows that need help. Some of the ladies take meals to other ladies when they've had surgeries or had a baby. or Those are acts of service, and whether or not it's your love language, it's, those are great things that, that Jesus teaches us to serve each other, and that's what we're here for. And, um, okay, so wrapping this love language up, I wrote on here, be honest. How do you feel about serving your spouse? Oh, I heard some moans. Do you resent it? Do you just do what has to be done? Or you don't do it, um, and uh, you don't serve your spouse unless you're appreciated? Or 
how you demonstrate your love. So you do serve them because that's your love language. So you serve them. Just some things to think about. Um, can you get Colossians chapter 3, verse 23? And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And the next verse, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. So you should do, you should serve each other and serve your spouse out of love, not out of guilt or obligation. But you, you genuinely love them and you want to make them happy. So you want to do things. And whether or not acts of service is your primary love language, you should look at that passage of scripture and just work on improving your service towards your spouse because we are called to serve um, to serve each other in the church. And I heard, and I'm just throwing this in here, but I heard a lady one time years ago make reference to, well, you know, her, she works too, and they both work, and she shouldn't be expected to do as much, and da-da-da-da. And I, the Bible tells us that women are to be the keepers of the home. So whether or not you work outside of the home um, and beyond that, you're still instructed to be the keeper of the home. And so that's scriptural. That's not just my opinion. I promise. Don't get mad at me, ladies. But it's, it's Bible. We're instructed to be the keeper of the home, just like the men are instructed. Um, and the men are instructed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. That's a powerful love. And so that's a love that's not screaming at them or demanding them or telling them what to do. It's a love that gives yourself. He gave himself for us. He gave up his life. And that's a, that's a, that's a big assignment for men too. love your wife as Christ loved the church. But women are instructed to be keepers of the home and of the children. And so whether or not you work outside of the home, it's still, it's great when your spouse, men, it's great when you can help. I think it's great. But women, it does still fall on you. It's scriptural um, design for you to be the keepers of the home. And um, I wrote down this one more. Um, Philemon tells us, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. That was a, I thought that was a neat version of Philemon chapter 8 through 10. It's, it's different uh, verses there together. And the last thing the book talks about with this, it says, are you a doormat? Or a lover? Are you a doormat or a lover? The spouse who performs acts of service out of fear, guilt, and resentment understands clearly that these are not expressions of love. A doormat is an inanimate object. You can wipe your feet on it, step on it, kick it around, or whatever you like. It has no will of its own. It can be your servant, but it can't be your lover. No person should ever be a doormat. We're creatures of emotion, thoughts, and desires, and we have the ability to make decisions and to take action. 
Allowing yourself to be used or manipulated by another is not an act of love. You're allowing him or her to develop inhuman habits. Love says, I love you too much to let you treat me this way. It's not good for you or me. So whether you're the one that is treating a spouse poorly, like a doormat, it says, or if you're the one that's getting treated that way, either way, you should speak up and say, you know what, this isn't right, whether you're the one that's getting treated poorly or doing the, the poor treatment. There is, the Bible says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So perfect love casts out fear. And fear, pastors talked about it before, the opposite of love. A lot of people say hate, but it's not. The opposite of love is fear. And so you shouldn't ever be scared of your spouse. That's very anti-scriptural. You should never be scared of your spouse because that's the opposite of love. Galatians says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And lastly, on this, on this, the doormat or lover thing, it says, pray, asking God to empower you to serve your spouse in love and to improve your marriage's emotional climate. You do. You need to pray that every day. How can, I, how can we improve the climate of our marriage, our love? Um, it's so important. These love languages are so important. I just keep, I, we, I read these bo- this book years ago, and it's neat to read it again all these years later to as a refresher course, just like what we've talked about when you speak another language and then you don't do it for years and you got to be refreshed and it's rusty. It's good to reread all this again because it's like, oh, even if you've read it before, it just brings it back to your remembrance. Again, these languages and dialects, they're going to feed off of each other. If, you, if your husband's language, I wrote down just some example. If your husband's language is hearing words of affirmation and you haven't complimented him in several days and your love language is quality time, then he's not going to want to go out on that drive with you. He, he's not going to want to do that because you haven't fed him his love language and we feed off of each other. And then when he doesn't, in turn want to go spend time with you for quality time, then you don't want to compliment him. And so it's like a cycle. It's a vicious cycle, these love languages. Maybe maybe her language is acts of service, and maybe man, yours is physical touch. So, th- and this is maybe one of the most common things we see in marriage counseling. She doesn't want to be intimate with you if you didn't take the garbage out. <laughs> so men... <laughs> giving you some good tips here <laughs> it's and it's so true it's so true you think that doesn't make sense it does it's how it's how we're created it's how we operate in these love languages and we have to learn to speak their language and they'll learn to speak ours and it is so true and I, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about well we'll talk about physical touch later next week and intimacy more, but that's a 
that is a real that you want to be here because and I'm not I'm set I'm so serious we do so much counseling outside of the church in the city as well um, with so many couples and it is such it's a problem it is a problem it, it blows my mind the lack of physical touch or intimacy between a couple and most of the time if you come to pastor's office and you have are you coming for marriage counseling one of the first questions he asks is how long has it been since you've been intimate with each other or how often because or not how often does that but he'll say how long has it been and normally people that are having problems it's been a long time I've, and it's not right it's not scriptural and it if you guys could it's just powerful when you could get a grasp on these love languages because if you can really get it it really makes everything come together so perfectly just like God intended it to be but if Intimacy is such a huge part of every relationship between a man and a woman, and it's a very important part. And, I mean, it it bothers me. It's upsetting when you sit in counseling and they say, oh, we've only been together intimately twice in the last two years or whatever. That's not right. And, um, you know, or, oh, he cheated on me. And you get to talking, well, we haven't been intimate in three years. Well, <laughs> so it's not all his fault, you know. Um, there's a problem there. And you, it's, it's not, it's scriptural too. And it's not right or fair. But a lot of these things stem off of you not speaking their love language. It doesn't make it right, but I'm trying to help you understand you need to understand your spouse's love language because it feeds into your marriage. Everything about all the major dynamics of your marriage, it really, I mean, I know some of them seem like so common or cheesy, but really, if you can get these figured out, it will make your marriage wonderful because they're biblical principles. It's not just a psychologist that wrote these things. Like we've been reading scriptures every week to back these things up. They're biblical. And and I want our church, you know, strong marriages make strong families, right? And strong families make strong churches. And that's what we want. We want a strong church. And I, strong churches make strong communities. And a lot of it starts in the marriage and a lot of a lot of the marriage dynamics has to do with you not knowing your spouse's love language and or punishing them because you're mad at them for something or I'm not going to give him a compliment today because he didn't he didn't take out the trash so I'm not telling him that I like his haircut or whatever and that's wrong because like we talked about, when you withhold their love language and then it's a cycle and then they withhold their love language and it just does that and then it gets, it'll, it really does. The littlest thing can turn into three months of awful relationship and it could all be because she didn't wash the dishes or something. You're like, she didn't wash the dishes so I'm not doing that or whatever and then it turns and then you get, and then you're angry and you're snippy with each other and then it, it turns into a really big deal all over something like maybe little. Normally you can pin it back. People have a hard time finding the little thing that started it, and it is normally so tiny. And you think, well, this didn't happen just because of that. Sometimes it did because it the littlest things 
the little things that spoil. <laughs> and the littlest thing can anger them, and then it turns into so many things because these languages feed off of each other. So everybody needs to make their list this week. And uh, pastor says, make the list, pray the list. So <laughs> you need to make the list. You need to talk to your spouse about it. Whatever the list is um, that you want to do, whether um, on your, that we talked about, your language, the acts of service, things you'd like to see him do. Maybe he hasn't turned the ceiling fan blades the other way, and you've been asking him to do that, and the season's changing, and, you know, maybe he hasn't cleaned out the, the ductwork. Maybe she hasn't, um, no, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, made a homemade meal in a while, and you're like, I'm tired of this. Uh, maybe she's not doing a good job on keeping your clothes clean. I don't know. But I'm just, whatever the things are, make the list. And, and couples, don't get angry or offended at your spouse if something's on the list that they've asked you a few times and you're like, oh, you're bringing that up again. And don't get mad at them. We're do, it was an assignment. It's my fault. You can get mad at me. <laughs> don't get mad at them, though, if they ask you to do something for them that they've been asking. But, again, we're not guilting them. We're asking them to do it for you. And... Make an effort. Remember, you're getting gifts for your spouse this week. Don't forget that. I'm going to ask you next week how many got gifts or how many gave gifts. And remember, it can be the littlest thing can do so much in a marriage because it shows you care. It can be the littlest thing, even if, like I said, even if gifts aren't her love language or aren't his love language, but you still, you know, take him a Tim Hortons double-double. If I, you know, get one while I'm out and take it home, his love tank's full. <laughs> you know, and you should know what helps make your spouse's love tank full, right? The little things. You should know those little things. And if you don't know, maybe uh, they need to tell you some of those things, and you need to start doing those and see what it does. Even in a week's time, um, I guarantee you you'll see some differences if you'll do some of these things this week. All right, you're dismissed. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.